Good morning, good morning. The presence of the Lord will fix a lot of things, won't it? Just get in His presence and so many things you don't even worry about anymore. That's what God does. He does that every time. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Worshiping together, worshiping our King and our Lord. All right. Well, let's jump into the Word of God. It goes without saying that this is a valley season in, uh, in our culture. It's a valley season. But do not fear. Let me ask you a question. King David said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil, fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. So let me ask you a question. Did he not only tolerate the valley season, but he said, bring it on. I'll just embrace it because I've got the rod and the staff of the Lord. Did he embrace the, the valleys of life and the seasons? Are we going to follow him? Yes, we are going to embrace the valley times in life because God's got great things in the valley. Second Kings chapter 3, we're going to continue our series, Lessons from the Valley. This is a great Old Testament story, so I'm going to read a large portion of it. Chapter 3, 4 through 20. It is a divided kingdom. Let me set this up. We're about 150 years after King David. The kingdom is divided. Ahab in, in Israel, Ahab and Jezebel, in the northern, more wicked, godless Israel. Ahab's just died. His older son fell through a lattice and is crippled. And Jehoram has taken over, and he's young, immature, and he has no idea what's going on. At the same time that he takes over, there is a, um, the king of Moab is subject to him and pays him a lot of money. He's like, man, this is a good time to rebel. This kid, this is a good time to rebel. So he does. So um, Jehoram is going to muster his forces, and he knows he doesn't have what it takes, so he's going to go to the godly person, like all the world that is fearful when their back's against the wall, as my dad said, there's no atheist in a foxhole. They get on their knees. They go find someone who's godly. So guess what? They're coming to you. Just wait. They're going to crack and they're going to need some godly counsel. They're coming to you. So he's going to go to Jehoshaphat and try to figure out what to do. And then, of course, the man of God, Elisha, comes on the scene. Let's jump into this. Verse 4. Now, Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder. And he regularly played the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But it happened when Ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So Jehoram went out of Samaria at the time and mustered all Israel. Mustered means he barely got it together. Just, just enough influence, I mean, to, to barely get a group together. As I said, he was young and new. Then he went and, set and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Then he said, Which way shall we go? So Jehoram is asking the more seasoned Jeroboam, Where should we go? How should we do this battle? And he answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, who was subject to, Ju to Judah. Edom is really, they had disposed him. He was really just a, um, a figurehead in Edom, and Je uh, Jehoshaphat ruled it. 
And they marched on the roundabout route seven days, and there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here, that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and the king and king Jehoshaphat and king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, "What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your fathers and the prophets of your mothers. You grew up with Baal. Go hang out with Baal again, because clearly that's what you you've been doing—a false god, a wicked god that was in Israel." But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts live, that's a military term, but before whom I stand, surely, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. He's mad six ways. But bring me. A musician. Note that. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley will be filled with water so that you, your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. They're just trying to stay alive. Then the prophet adds, he will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. Also, you shall attack every fortified city, every choice city. You shall cut down every tree and stop every spring of water and ruin every place, every piece of land with stones because it was full of wickedness. And that's where they sacrificed idols and everything else. Two idols and everything else. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered. Note that. The grain offering Wait, there's seven days' march from Jerusalem. Why is he talking about the grain offering? That suddenly water came by the way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. And when all the Moabites heard that the king had come to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and the... Oh, I went too far. That's it. I got so excited. I just kept going. Marathon. Let's just read the book of Kings. And the land was filled with water. End. The word of the Lord. Hey, at least I kept going on the word, y'all. Hey, I'm going to have a quiet time. Y'all just give me a minute. (laughs) Oh, the glorious word of the living God. Answers are in the valley. Answers are in the valley. You want to know, even the king doesn't know what to do. Even three kings don't know what to do. But answers are in the valley. Let's study the word of God here. Oh, glorious word of God. Oh, we we got three men One of them doesn't say anything. He's neutral. He's the king of Edom. He's just under subject to Jehoshaphat, a godly king, the son of Asa. And we got a wicked king from a wicked family who's trying to play play political. And he didn't destroy all the bells of Ahab and Jezebel. He just put them away because he may need them. So they're there. 
in Israel, all over the place. And the Bible says he just put them away and let's see how this thing works. Whatever token I can use, I'll use. He has no faith, no godly fear, but he goes and finds a godly man. Note the humility of Jehoshaphat. You knucklehead, you made that bed go sleep in it. No. No such humility and love and fathering from Jehoshaphat. And in fact, it actually, Jehoshaphat in this becomes a type of Christ, that he would step into the wickedness of a, of a place um, for the sake of godliness. Well, you got your notes there. Let's look at this. Verse 10, Jehoram jumps on the scene. There are seven days with no water. You ever seen a movie? Maybe it's only in Disney movies, and that's I watch so many cartoons. They get in a bad situation, and there's always one squirrely person. And they're always the one who's going to lose it. You know, like if maybe you're watching a, a movie about a submarine, one guy always loses it. Or they're in space, and he gets like space fever. He's like, ah, we're all going to die. Ah, ah, we're all going to die. And the, the leader has to step up and slap him around or lock him in a room or knock him out. That's this guy. <laughs> Just be quiet. Alas! What does he say? Verse 10. For the Lord has called these three, ting, these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Jehoram, you don't know which way is up. You're at the entrance to the promised land. Let me show you a map here. Put this map up. All right. They leave Samaria right there. Jehoram comes down to Jerusalem. He gets, or right around there, he gets um, Jehoshaphat. They loop around the Dead Sea, go through the desert, pick up the king of Edom, and they're right there at the entrance. And if you remember, this was our text last week, at the entrance to the promised land. They're standing at their own front door. Now, if you own a house that you paid for, that maybe by divine authority God gave you, and you don't even know if you're supposed to be in there, you don't need to be in charge. That's what, this, that's what Jehoram says. God has brought us here to the promised land to kill us. I know one other group of Israelites that said that way back in the desert, and they spent 40 years wandering around. You're in the promised land. God has put you here by divine order. We're going to die. Slap him around and put him in a room. <laughs> or knock him out. <laughs> There's a man who needs a face mask. <laughs> Cover him up. I'm sorry. That was not the Lord. I'm sorry. I'm going to just keep reading. I'm just going just, just to read the Bible for 30 straight minutes. He says it twice. He says it in verse 10. Then he says it again in, in verse 13. This is the king of Israel, and he doesn't know Bible 101. He doesn't know that God has given them this land. What in the world is he doing talking, much less leading? Jehoshaphat nicely just says, let me, let me run this. There's a warning for us, because he yelled it. It says, alas, with an exclamation point. He yells it. In everyone else's ear, putting fear and doubt in an exhausted army. Number one in your notes. Be cautious of faith, faithless voices. I have never in my life heard so many faithless voices around me 
in America. Be most cautious, I should say, of faithless people and faithless voices. I don't care if they have an authority. I don't care if they're the king. It doesn't matter who they are. If they have no nothing um, of Christ, if they know nothing of his word, just silence them. Don't listen to them. They're everywhere. I'm not telling you how to live your life. You do. If you need to back off social media, back off. If you need to back away from this, back off. This is the voice you need to be hearing. This is the number one. This is the word of the living God. We need to be on this. And Jehoshaphat, although serving this in a humble role, he, he, he shuts him up and he says, all right, quiet. Um, let me step in and do this. Be cautious, extremely aware and cautious of faithless voices in this culture. I realized something from this text and Hebrews. Didn't you always think that, you know, when you're reading the Bible, oh, the children of Israel, they got to the promised land at the entrance and they didn't have faith and couldn't go in. Don't you always think that was the group, that was the generation? I realize that's not right. It's an incomplete picture. Every generation of God's people, we're, we're hundreds of years past that time. He goes right back to the entrance of the door. God says, I've given you the key, go in. He goes, oh, we're here to die. I realized every generation of God's people, listen to me, every generation God brings you to the cross. He pours the blood over you. And he says, now I have empowered you. I have given you authority from on high and you walk in it. And they decide if they're going to live in the promised land or not. Amen. And it is the voice of faithlessness that will keep you out of the promised land that God gave you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Dare we think light of the blood of Christ. Amen. We know this because it's in when the, the first group of Israelites got to the promised land. We see it right here again. Again, and go to Hebrews 3.19. Look at it right here. Hebrews 3.19. So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. It's just showing here's the people of God that did enter. Here's the people of God that did not enter. Let me show you one more scripture in Romans 14.23, it's more than just a weakness. It's more than just a lack of faith. Paul really hits it, Romans 14.23. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. He's talking about food and all these other things. Because he does not eat from faith. But whatever is not faith is what? It's not a bad idea. It's not this. It's not that. It is sin. And we are God's people, and we trust him, and we don't have anything to do with faithless voices. That's a sinful voice. Amen? Now, this can infiltrate any part of our life or culture. Any part at all. Am I still here? Did I go? Am I, am I here? Well, I knew that already. I knew I was already warped, but is the mic working? <laughs> I stepped right into that one. This can infiltrate any part of our culture. And I want to warn you, even as my beloved Costco has been infiltrated, let me show you a couple pictures. I think I'm cutting in and out. Hand me that mic. All right. This is a picture I took from Costco. Better than beef crumbles. Oh, look, tacos. My kids love tacos. We eat them by the pounds, all those things. Wait a minute. Stop right there. There's nothing better than beef. 
There's something wrong there. There's nothing better than beef. Let me show you a close-up. Here's where the wickedness happens. You should never see that in a God-anointed place like Costco. Nor should we be hearing faithless words from God's people. But they're there. So you be aware, one, there's nothing better than beef. Done. Period. It's gay. Even the Jews could eat beef. That plant protein, that, <laughs> that is a faithless voice. You stay away from that. I, I grabbed it. I reached to grab it and I picked it up. I'm like, oh, great. Just do this. We could do tacos. Oh, my God. Get that off of me. You talk about wash your hands. Now, there you need to wash your hands. That's two strikes. I'm not going to do another one. I promise you, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Let's be aware from that, aware of this faithless voices. Parents, be highly aware of the conversations in your home. Megan and I have really had to, because our kids are old enough to be aware, they were just, oh, corona, all the time. It was bugging because we can't do certain things or whatever. I was thinking, I've got to stop this. I've got to focus them on the joy of the Lord, on the spirit of God. I've got to focus them. I don't want to have kids growing up, my life wasn't good. Oh, God's not faithful in this generation. Oh, that's sin. My life's so much harder than it used to be or than it was. This is just not fair. I'm a victim. What? You have the cross of Jesus Christ. We're blessed. As many problems as we have in this country, we're still blessed. I don't want to grow people. I do not want to raise kids that are grumblers and complainers. That's faithless. Amen. We're going to raise people full of faith in Jesus Christ, full of the Spirit of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That's what I want. Is that what you want? Amen. Let's keep looking. It only gets better. That's verse 10. Let's go down to verse 12 of 1 Kings 3. Be quiet, we need a word of the Lord. Verse 13, Elisha comes on the scene. Before I jump into that, I want to... No, that's in my point right there. Verse 13, Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. Oh, verse 12, went too far. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now look at this and pay attention to this picture. you got three kings. Obviously, they're behind the army and usually set up on a hill because they're protected by their whole army. You don't, they're, they're, those people will die for the king. That's that culture. It's an honor and shame culture. That's the way it is. They are up there. Do they even know Elijah has left his home and has been walking with them for seven days? Do they even know he's with them? Do any of those three kings know that Elisha is with them? No. The Bible tells us that. Who has to tell the kings that there's a man of God with them? A servant. You talk about need to be in the know. I want to show you a few things here. Number one, Elisha is anointed with a double portion of Elijah. He is so humble, though that he has left the camp, has been walking with the privates in the army. The kings, he didn't come to the kings and say, I want a camel right next to you. I'm the anointed man of God. They don't even know he's there. 
he's so broken, he's so humble, he's praying that he's been down in the camp for seven days and the people who are in the know, who get the highest intelligence briefing, they don't even know he's there. The servant has to say there's a man and he listened to his description. He washed the hands of Elijah. There's a man and this is what I know about him. There's a double portion I hear. But he's such a humble man that he's known as a servant who washed the hands of the previous man of God. That's the first and greatest humility you need to see. The second is the lead of Jehoshaphat. Remember the kings up on the hill. They are separated. They're in the most protected place. Did they call Elijah once they found out he was there? Elisha, excuse me. Once they found out Elisha was there. That's a hard one to get. Straight, I thought I would quit doing that by the time I was 10, but I've done that my whole life. Did, they, did the king say, bring him to me? Did they say, bring that guy up here, let's talk? What does the Bible say in verse 12? Through four very important words at the very end of verse 12. Went down to him. That is total opposite protocol of kingly actions. The king doesn't do that. The king doesn't act like that. The king doesn't talk like that. You come to the king. See, now we're at the now we're to Jesus. This is what Jehoshaphat is a type of Christ, a picture of. Get off my camel. Come on, faithless Jehoram. Come on, king of Edom. We are going down to the man of God. Because wherever the word of the Lord is, that's where I want to be. I do not care if I have to leave my corner, if I have to be uncomfortable. Wherever the word of the Lord is, find yourself there. Amen? Find yourself where the word of God is, where it's being preached, where it's being taught, where you have friends who talk about it, where you have relationships that talk about it. Just so you know, I wore a mask this morning, not because I wanted to, not because I felt like I needed to, but because I live with a quasi-theologian. I think that's the right word, babe. It was a compliment if I said it wrong. (laughs) Debate after debate last night of, we don't agree with this. I I think it doesn't help, da-da-da. If I'm offending you, please, I'm not trying to. It's just a point. But am I supposed to honor this godless authority? Authority in our land, that's three, I'm done. Just cut me off, you can turn the mic off. That's three strikes. That's three strikes, I'm done. Gosh, I didn't even make it halfway. I thought I'd get halfway and get to the second point. I'm sorry, guys. It's three strikes, I'm out. (laughs) So we went back and forth. Well, she's spitfiring double barrels of the word of God. She's like, as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. I'm like, fine. Now, I can get up here because I'm distance, right? And he gets up on stage and does it. That's why I took it off. But because the word of the Lord is nigh unto me. <laughs> we went back and forth. I don't even know if we still agree. We don't know. I want you as we, we have got to listen to me. The word of the Lord will always be. Someone will always be proclaiming it. It'll never run dry. The fountain does not run dry. But you must find it. If you have to go down, which is usually the direction you always go, you go low. If you have to go down, go to it. Because it may be down with the privates. When I was just uh, getting ready to plant this church, 
I was like 35, ending my ministry in, in uh, Colorado and getting ready to come here. The Lord, you know, began to move a little bit prophetically in me. And, and, and a man, you just get a word from the Lord for someone, and you're like, I am the anointed man of God. I saw something in the Spirit. This man has such a double portion anointing. His dead bones raised the dead a year later. When they threw a dead man on his bones, the man came to life. I cannot begin to comprehend it, and he would not even tell the people he was with them. Now, to humble me, there was a goofy college student who had only visited a few times, who didn't even go to our church, who dressed funny, was 25 years old, who came to me and said, listen, the Lord gave me a word for you. And I thought, the Lord speaks to me. You're weird. I'm serious. I did. I, I just, as soon as he opened his mouth, I, I stopped myself from rolling my eyes. I thought, this guy. And now there are, there are fruits, nuts, and flakes. There's times you just, someone was off or emotion, whatever. This guy just stepped forward and he said, this is what the Lord told me. And he went, boom, 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 boom. I just about fell over. It was, he read my mail so amazed, so specifically. I'm telling you, I just about fell over. And in fact, laid out things for me. Even moving here, things that no one knew. So usually the word of the Lord is in a very humble package. Anytime you see pomp, that's the world. Anytime you see humility, that is the Lord. Number two on your notes. Humility is the key to hearing God. Is a beautiful scripture to me, one of those beautiful scriptures in all the Bible. Isaiah 57, 15. You should look at it right here. For thus says the high and lofty one. I mean, think about these words. The one in whom his holiness is so great, the, the mighty cherubim and, and the angels cannot cease to cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, both day and night. High and lofty one who inhabits eternity. That means he is everywhere. In, he is in all of eternity and all of time. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy places. And I'm one more place. You need to get that scripture. That's a life scripture for me. Where else is he besides the high and holy and lofty place? With him who has a contrite and humble spirit. So one little, I think there's one more part of that scripture. To revive the spirit of the who? Humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And here we see Jehoshaphat heading down to the valley. Heading down to the valley. So he gets to the humble man of God. <laughs> now you may be a mighty man of God, but you can still get angry. And we see the very human Elisha, the very human Elisha, who sees Jehoram and says, I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't even lift up my head to you, which is an extreme disrespect in their culture. I would not even acknowledge you. It's like a salute. Like the general walks in and you're like, I'm not going to salute you. He says, I wouldn't even acknowledge you if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat. He very 
honestly says, I'm angry, I'm frustrated because of everything I know going on with you. It's wickedness, the way you're running your culture. I've already probably heard from your mouth, you said it twice, how God's brought us here to die, even though this is the promised land, and he brought us here to live. And he's frustrated, and he's angry. Anybody felt like Elisha the last few weeks? Huh? Anybody felt like Elisha? I have felt like Elisha. And it had nothing to do with our kids. Wasn't our kids this time. (laughs) This is where he is. Find yourself in the word of God. And it's a relational issue. It's a relational issue looking at authority. It's authority issue. And he's extremely frustrated. Verse 15, I wouldn't even look at you, he said, but there's one way I know what to do. But now bring me a a a (laughs) musician, musician, musician. The last person who thought they'd be used by God in this entire confederate group, and all these people put together, is the lonely who? This is fighting time. This is army time. He probably didn't even have his guitar tuned. He probably bought the old one and not the good one. God loves to take the base things of this world to confound the and the things that no one wanted or used to. And so here is the lowly (laughs) guitar player. Now, Now look at this picture. The guitar player The worshiper is holding the key that opens the door to the power of God. The worshiper always has the key. The door is never locked to the worshiper. It is never locked to the one that bends their knee, lifts their hands, and say, oh God, oh God. If you don't come, we're done. Let me tell you something about humility. I lack knowledge sometimes. I lack drive. I lack ability. I lack, I lack, I lack, I lack, I lack, I lack. You do, 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 do. But God in his wonderful, glorious grace and mercy has said, I have given you all you need. Because everyone can humble themselves. Is that correct? And everyone can say, oh God, I will worship you. Are you ever lacking in the ability to humble yourself or worship? Is that ever something you may not have or you can't readily produce by the grace of God? So you always, always, always have the key to open the door to the power of God. Now, please understand that, remember, this is the entrance to the promised land. Why in the world is it a dry riverbed that should have been green and fertile? Because remember last week I showed you that last picture? That's the same place. It was green and fertile. 
but with destruction, with a, um, because the kingdom split, because all of that, now it's a dry riverbed. Now, pay attention. The army has one last move. The king has one last move. The army has one last move. They only have one. Take the last bit of strength you have after dehydration and seven days in a desert and dig up the most fallow ground you can imagine and then just wait. You know in Louisiana, when the ground's mushy, it'll just soak in. When the ground's hard for a few weeks, does the water soak in or does it just run right across it? It just goes. They had to dig those holes because it would have, the water just would have ran right over and they couldn't have not barely quenched their thirst, much less the hundreds and hundreds or thousands of gallons for all the animals. And you're not going to win any battle without horses, right? So God says this by the man of God, dig trenches and the depth you dig will be the depth of God's supply. How wide you make it, how deep you'll go will be how much he'll fill. That was up to each arm, each individual, each captain, each one. How deep will you dig it? Because that's how much water will be in it. That's God's call to every one of us right now. I know the ground's dry. I know it doesn't look like what it used to. I know, I know this is the promised land. I know. Dig down deep. Don't worry about what it used to be. Dig. If you've got one breath left, if you've got one thing left, dig. Because that's the word of the Lord. And he will fill it. We spend so much time frustrated, complaining about Jehoram, complaining about the dry ground. It's unfortunate. It's not good. We all know that. But you're in the army of God right now. You don't get to live in David's time. That's by the hand of the Lord. We're, we're called to dig. Amen? Dig deep. And know this. You'll never be lacking. Number three on your notes. Peace is not lacking in the heart of worship. There's no lack. There's no lack of peace with the heart of worship. I was shocked to read, as we close, Taylor, you can come up, Spurgeon's address to his own church. Charles Spurgeon pastored for many years. It's on your bottom of your notes there. And I want to read this. I was really shocked to, he really charged his church in this moment. And this is not a thus saith the Lord. I mean, this is the Lord's will for us. Clearly, it's biblically accurate. But that he charged his church at this time to do this. This was a Sunday morning, just like we are right here. This is what he says. If we expect to obtain the Holy Spirit's blessing, we must prepare for his reception. Make the valley full of trenches. Is an order which is given me this morning for the members of this church. Make ready for the Holy Ghost's power. Be prepared to receive that which he is about to give each man in his place and each woman in her sphere. Make the whole of this church full of trenches. 
for the reception of the divine floods. Come on. And then he gives a warning. If we don't, we can't expect the blessing of God. I have full confidence in the supernatural power of God. The hard part for us is to dig on the seventh day. Amen? Come on, let's stand up. Here we are. God's people in God's timing. He wants to fill that dry valley. So we're going to spend the next few minutes. You have the key that unlocks the door. Humble worship. Hyphenated. Humble worship. So let's just spend time with him. Whatever valley is in front of you. So Lord, I'll dig. What? Tell the Lord. Verbalize it. Lord, I need you to fill this area. Dig. 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 Come on, let's worship the king. Come on, just bring your life before him. And, and bring everything that you're dealing with. Relationships. Bring it all to the cross. He's plenty big enough. It's a, is this not a light thing in the sight of the Lord, he says? Bring all of it. Relationally, financially, future. I know there's worry from without about future and government and, and all this stuff. Bring it. Bring it to him right now. Lord, I'll dig deep. You fill. You fill. Even though no rain comes, no wind, it was all supernatural. This valley will be full. And as we get ready to worship, listen very carefully. It says about the time of the grain offering. That was going on in Jerusalem. They were offering the grain offering in the morning. That's what they did. But Elisha knew exactly what was going on in the house of God. And at the time of prayer, this is where we get the hour of prayer in the New Testament. At the certain offerings in Old Testament. That morning, he knew that place is praying over there. The house of God is offering sacrifice of praise unto his name. And why in the world would the Bible say at the morning of the grain offering, that time they did it way over there, the water came. Amen? Always know what's going on in his house. Always be connected. He's seven days away in a valley, and he said, I know what time it is. It's grain offering time. Let me get on my knees and pray because these ditches are going to be filled. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's, let's worship. Fill our, increase our faith, Lord. Give us strength to dig, Lord. Give us new tools to dig with. Lord, give us ideas how to widen the trenches and make them deeper and longer. Come on, Lord, we're going to humbly worship you. We're never going to have a closed door. We're going to open the door. We're going to open the door. Come on, pray. Worship. Praise. Humbly. Lord, show us the valley. Show us how to dig. We have just begun, Lord. Show us as a church. Show us individually. Lord, show us, Lord, how to fill this room. Lord, show us how to combat the works of the enemy. Show us, God, in greater way how to build a biblical community on the word of the living God. Lord, show us how to find the word, how to go low to the word of God. Oh, Lord, show us, God. Come on, praise. Worship. Pray in the Spirit with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what that last scripture in Ephesians says. Pray in the Spirit with songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. Come on, it's a prayer.
Elisha was in the hour of prayer. He knew when the grain offering was being offered. Number two, to do any of this, you must have an increase of faith. You're going to have to trust the Lord more. You're going to have to know the word of the Lord better. You will not go forward in victory like this. Amen? You must dig the trench deeper. You must grow. Amen? We have to grow. We have to be focused in our word and say, I'm going to spend more time in the Bible. I've got to work on my prayer life. I am going to grow. I am going to increase my faith because I will not stay out of the promised land. And I'm certainly not going to look at my own house and say, I don't even know. It doesn't look, I don't know how to get in here. This, this, this is bad. No. You are the people of God. Amen? So let's pray for an increase of faith in this whole house. Oh, yes, God. We will enter. We will not be an unbelieving people. You are the God of eternity. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, I thank you that you started a good work and you're going to finish it. We will not live on the outside or in barren places because of unbelief. So we're asking just like the disciples asked, Lord, increase our faith. Now just lift up and receive it right now. Lord, we, we, we're thanking you. We're receiving. You said if we ask, you would give. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our faith, Lord. Lord, and that increase is going to strengthen you to dig. It is the increase of faith that gives you supernatural strength to dig. When the increase of faith happens, then you will start digging. 
You will be re revived, regenerated. You will better dig with your mouth. You better dig physically, dig spiritually, dig in prayer. When the increase of faith comes, then everything else is going to fall in place. So I thank you that the increase of faith is coming across this house, changing the way people think, changing the way people talk. We are lining ourselves up with the Word of God. And we thank you, Lord, as we begin to dig, as we begin to dig, Lord, there is an appointed time that the water will come. And it will fill every trench. And the whole valley will look different. In one day, the whole valley looked different. So we thank you, God. We're asking for the increase of faith. And we are seeing it happen. In the name above all names. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, now praise him. Come on, humble prayer. Come on. If you can't praise him here, we can't praise him anywhere. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. We love you. We will go low. We will bend our knee. We will lift our hands. Oh, thank you. Thank you. In the name above every name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, now go out. You're above and not beneath. God bless you. Have a great day.